Hello and welcome to Harold Hey. It's Corey Vaughn with Adam Samaha. Uh, welcome. Today we're talking about Eugene's Pet, which is written by Antoinette Stella and directed by Derek Dryman and George S. Giertas. Uh, Giertas. I don't know if that's the right way to say it. Um, we talk about imaginary friends. We talk about um, loneliness. Psychosis, loneliness. Um, we talk about tulpas. Um, we should give a shout out to our our sister podcast, Reply All. <laughs> If we say it enough, it may become true. Uh, yeah. You just got to think it into being like. That's true. Tulpas. Yeah, tulpas. Much like tulpas. Um, rate, review, email us at. Uh, please email us. We sometimes will read them if they come up. We at least respond and we say thank you. Yeah. Hey. at gmail.com. Um, and our website is heraldhay.com. It is. Um, anything else? Send us gifts. Or gifts. Either gifts way. Gifts and gifts. Gifts. And gifts. Yeah. Uh, we do get some great uh, uh, therapy from a friend of mine from across the States. Mm-hmm. So look forward to that. Hey, thank you for uh, tuning in. This is a great show. This is a really good episode. Uh, watch it on Hulu Plus or uh, borrow it from your friend's DVD collection. Or rent from the library. Yeah, libraries are dying, guys. They are, and they're cool. They are cool. Uh, yeah, enjoy the show. Bye. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for... (laughs) So Eugene's pet starts out in the classroom. Uh, Eugene is... uh, participating in show and tell uh he is showing his fish and telling about what it means to him which is he's always wanted a pet for his own but every pet he's had is a failure he like lists like three or four pets that have died uh and then he talks about the fish whose name is oh sh- henry henry oh my gosh Same uh way. and there's a cute castle and uh um like a knight with it with a what are the spiky balls called? Do you I, I don't know. Anyway, well versed. Uh, so, and and Mr. Simmons says this is so very much you, and then Arnold shows off his yo-yo, uh, and tries to shoot the moon. The yo-yo flies off the sp- string and lands in the in the fish tank with fish bowl. Sorry, it's more of a bowl than a tank. Lands on the lands on the night, which smashes Henry and kills him, and Eugene, kind of. You know, he doesn't lose it yet, but he definitely, like, screams in anguish. And then Arnold and Eugene end up going to the bathroom to flush uh, the fish down the toilet. And um, Eugene doesn't like that, so then they they go to bury it. And Gerald gives a great great, uh, eulogy. And then a cat comes and takes it away. Um, So Eugene already... You know, we're reminded that Eugene has bad luck with his stuff, but Arnold, being the people pleaser he is, goes to uh, fix the situation. Uh, take uh, Gerald, Arnold, and Eugene go to a pet store where there's a sassy uh, pet store employee that shows them all these different pets, and Eugene still just can't handle it. It's uh, a bird poops on him, a snake uh, chokes the life out of him, a gerbil bites him in the nose. No chemistry. No chemistry. Which is what the girl says, actually. 
and then it and then they walk outside and Eugene kind of mournfully says, "Look, some people just aren't supposed to have pets and I must be one of those people." I'll get used to it. It's okay. Uh, and then he walks away and then the next day he actually does snap, which is shown off by his imaginary pet, which is a hippo that he has seen feeding outside on the playground. Uh, with real dog with real hippo food or whatever. Um, and he like tries to play fetch with this imaginary hippo and Arnold and Gerald are very worried. Uh, and that worry only gets worse the next day when they see Eugene putting up signs. His imaginary pet has run away, which Gerald, by the way, calls out and says, losing an imaginary pet, that's pathetic, which it is. It's it's so sad. And Arnold knows it. So he goes home and he, you know, is getting fed fish by his grandma and says, I can't eat this. And grandpa's like, what's wrong, man? And uh, Arnold explains and Grandpa actually gives some pretty astute advice, advice, which is everyone's alone. This guy's just more alone than the rest. And you know what? If he's alone, let him have his hopes and dreams. Don't squash him. And Arnold actually dreams about that and comes up with a great idea, which is I'm going to adopt a pet in Eugene's name at a um, aquarium, one of the fish. So he takes Eugene to see this fish and while Eugene is just so happy and talking about all the th- stuff he's going to do with this fish, um, a shark comes and eats the fish behind his back. And Arnold and Gerald just decide, we're not going to tell him. We're going to pretend like this fish is still alive. And they walk off, and Eugene's still pretty happy. Just lives with his dreams. And then you see it pans to a school of the same type of fish. That's right. That's swimming right. Swimming on by. Yeah. Which is important. Um. This episode is at the same time so depressing and sad, but also really funny. Like, yeah, it's a very good episode. There's some good lines, some um, good secondary moments, but even the even the really sad moments, like Eugene having an imaginary hippo at his breaking point, um, gets funny when Gerald like kind of calls out the weirdness. So it's it's both funny and sad at the same time, I guess, which I like. Yeah, I think it's a really good. Um, we can just dive on in. Is that what we're doing? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, okay. Let, uh, are we gonna analyze the old the thesis, thesis thing? thing? Yeah, I mean, unless there, I'm trying to think. If there are other like non non story moments that are good. Mister Simmons is great in this call, calling Eugene. That's so very you. And then um, you were reminded of how new agey he is when he says um, he says. Oh, what, Arnold! I'm eager to. I'm eager for you to share with us your world. Uh, and then he says, "When uh, when Arnold's doing his yo-yoing, he's like, wow, oh boy! Like he's so genuinely excited about these kids.' I think everything else um, I'm interested in kind of ties to the story itself. So thesis scene, we've yeah. talked about it a little bit. I think we've decided. Yeah. So thesis scene is when Arnold goes to um, sort of talk talk the whole eugene situation over with his grandpa yeah and then as his grandpa like you said gives him some good advice uh which is basically i I, the way that i read it too was like allow like hopes and dreams are necessary and they're especially necessary for the lonely ones and the ones that have bad luck yeah and so i think it's that's nice advice because he makes it universal that everybody needs these things but i think it's especially applicable to those types of folks yeah and it's pretty funny. Let's listen to it. 
Hey, eat up, Arnold. Your grandma don't get a wild hare to cook fresh fish very often. I can't eat this, Grandpa. It reminds me of a fish I used to know. Uh-oh. Sounds like young Arnold has another one of his complex labyrinthian conundrums of a boyhood problem. What is it, short man? Well, it's Eugene's pet fish. I accidentally killed it, and now he doesn't have a pet anymore. Mm, that's a shame. I don't get it, Grandpa. Why does everything bad happen to Eugene? Oh, some kids are just plain unlucky. Bad things always happen to them. I guess all you can do is be a friend to them in his time of need. But most importantly, never go to Vegas with that kid or fly in an airplane with him. It's He's... just not fair, Grandpa. I can't stand seeing Eugene so alone. We're all alone. That's life. You don't need to be with anybody. Take it from me. As long as you got your dreams and fantasies, you'll be able to get up and go on. Everybody needs a dream to hang on to. Otherwise, they're just people without dreams. And if you don't want to wear that fork, you better get it away from my plate, you weasel. So that scene is at the end of a long string of not only failures from Eugene, but failures from Arnold to fix the situation. Um, and so Arnold's kind of presenting a lot of things that we're gonna we're gonna talk about in a second, but what he's doing is presenting, hey, like, this is what I'm seeing in Eugene's life, and I feel really bad about it. And Grandpa can hear that stuff, and, like, you know, he, he kind of flippantly says that's a shame, but he, I don't think he's lying when he says that. I think, like, oh, yeah, that is rough. But look, we're all alone. All of us are. This kid seems more alone than the rest of us, but all of us need our, need our hopes and dreams, so whatever you can do to, like, help that is going to be fine. At least that's the way I read it. Um, and aside from that, the Labyrinthian Conundrums is just poetry. It's so dang it's funny. Line. But d- does that feel like maybe not the core the core issue of the episode, but it at least feels like tying all of, all of Arnold's attempts to fix it kind of in a bow? Totally. There's an earlier scene that made me think of this too was when uh, Eugene goes to throw the, the fish in the toilet. Right. And Arnold's there with him as he's doing this. They cut to the next scene and they're both like have dove in to try to save the fish. And they're walking out of the stall together, mm. both completely soaking wet. And to me, visually, it was like a nice way of showing like Eugene's problem has also become Arnold's problem because they're both leaving the situation sort of soaked. Oh, interesting. So to me, yeah. it was like an interesting visual representation of that. Yes. And then I think later on the episode when he goes to his grandfather to try to further understand like what Eugene's going through, why it bothers him. Right. And, um, Trying to find, like you're saying, well, we've talked about a million times in this podcast, like Arnold is the fixer, like what he can do, what part can he play in order to better help Eugene? Right. Because he thinks that, I think Arnold sort of subconsciously understands there's like a universal quality to what Eugene's going through, mm. right? That loneliness mm. is a universally felt emotion. Yeah. But at the same time, he's specifically nervous about Eugene's mental state. For good reason. For good reason. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Which we will talk about. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's a good scene, and I think it does touch on almost every part of the episode. Mm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it stays true to Hey Arnold, the show, because it's, like, through Arnold's eyes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think think it's a bummer that, like, this realization didn't go straight to Eugene's ears, but but Arnold ends up... Arnold ends up following through with Grandpa's call, which is, look, let him have his hopes and dreams... And fantasies. And fa- oh, hopes and fa- dreams, dreams and fantasies. And That's fantasies. what it is. Yeah. It's just even um, and and Arnold kind of does that because Arnold gives him this specific gift of a fish in a tank, which ends up just getting 
eaten by a shark. Yeah. And Arnold and Gerald specifically agree we're not going to tell him, which is just letting him have his hopes and dreams, you know? Well, and it's funny on the sheet when he gets the certificate, it literally says whatever kind of fish it was. What, angelfish? It yeah, was like yeah, yeah. angelfish number 2048 or something. Yeah, yeah. Which shows that it's like one of many. And then, and what that I thought was interesting about that is that it's representative of something I thought of earlier in the episode where Eugene kind of goes through these sort of like random occurrences that are traumatic and sad, right, on some level, but are also just how life is. Yeah. Like life always throws you curveballs, and Eugene seems to specifically take them very, very hard. And so yes. I think those situations are going to continue to occur. Right, but then there's mm. also on the nose, Adam. Thank yes, you. but they're also spoiler alert. <laughs> but the, <laughs> but they also are like easily replaceable as well. Like that uh, fish is like one of two thousand fish. Yeah, right. Yeah. And then that scene of the fish sort of fly, like swimming, flying by, swimming by. You know, so he'll come back and think that fish is another fish. Yeah, and yeah. Be just they all well look off. the same. Right. Exactly. So yeah. it's like those problems occur all the time, but the solutions or fantasies or dreams you can draw to solve plug that hole psychologically and emotionally yeah there's a million of those as well well that's interesting or we could thousand. we could we could jump into conversations of like is it better to lie to a community to keep to keep the peace or is it better to tell the truth i that's so interesting is that where you're going no this? but i like that you went there because i think that's fascinating well that that's the um uh i know you're not a big batman fan right no. Did you I, see The Dark Knight? Yeah. With with Joker and Two-Face? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So at the end of that, they have the the whole line about, um, like, yeah, we're lying to the community to say that Batman did it, but sometimes, like, it's better for the community for them to have something to chase after or whatever. And that's a little totally. bit different, but it's similar in that, like, it's a conversation of when does when is faith become faith in a lie, and when is faith just faith? Well, um yeah, it's because, like, they're all, f- well, I mean, this is semantics, but they're all forms of, like, deception in some way. Right, right. But it's, like, what you do with that. So I think, like, an interesting sort of easy way of viewing this is, like, the idea of patriotism. Like, patriotism requires, Already like... Already political. Oh, well, that's what you God. did. You're talking about the community. Community is immediately political. Okay. But it's sort of the idea of, like, in order to be a patriot or to believe, like, very, very strongly about your country, it requires some sort of, like, whitewashing of wrongdoings. Mm. Mm. So it's, like, this sort of collective lie oh, of, interesting. like, yeah. we're going to mostly focus on the good that we do. And every right, country right, does right. this to some degree, some more than others. You know what I mean? So people, I think patriotism generally is, like, a good thing, right, yeah. more or less. Um, but it does require some self-deception, uh-huh. a little bit of lying to yourself and collective deception, right? So I think it's sort of the same idea that might be like a benign sort of way of massive lying. Yeah. With hope and because and hopes and dreams and fantasies all interweave in the idea of patriotism and all of those sorts of things. Right? Yeah. 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 Cause you're like perceiving like your country's best self and your best self within that country. And in I, those moments. I think there are two kind of lies being told in that moment. One is Arnold and Gerald, Gerald decide deciding it's for the good of Eugene that we just not tell him about this dead fish. Totally. But the other lie being told is Eugene's lie to himself, which is that this is going to fill my, like, hole of loneliness. Yeah. Yeah. Which is my stripper name? I don't wait. Is that hole of loneliness? Yeah, That's yeah, disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm like, I, it's, you never go it's, that direction. I don't. I don't yeah. go blue. But sorry, Corey's mom and dad. Um, I did. But, but, 
Yeah, I, my dad listens. Hey, dad. I, your son's a good man. Don't worry, dad. <sighs> um, but so I, I think what's interesting, I think I hate that I always say that phrase. I think this is interesting. But it's all interesting. Arnold. It's, Arnold? <laughs> Arnold. Wait. Oh, my gosh. Whoa. Some sort of Freudian slip. I don't know. Um, oh, my gosh. But the, the so Arnold, I mean, uh, Eugene, the way that he places like the value in these fish is because he is cu- trying to cure some sort of loneliness, I think. Yeah. Right. And um, I don't know. Like, I think <laughs> I think house pets and those sorts of things, that's the role that they play in people's lives just generally. I know my poor pathetic cat does that for me. Like, I'm like, man, my life fucking sucks. Then I just look at the cat and go, oh, that cat's so cute. And that's my eternal friend. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, and yeah. then it automatically it's like a shot of Novocaine. You just, like, numbs your... <laughs> well, everything that ails you. The last, like, four months, I've kind of... I don't like when people lose their minds about dogs. Oh, I don't like it either. But I have decided that it is healthier for me. So I just left a coffee shop that I worked at for two years. And the last six months have been unbelievably stressful. New owners, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And I had decided towards the end of my time there, I was like, I need to pet every dog that is outside. That like (laughs) when somebody brings a dog and ties the dog outside or if somebody like is eating their Enjoy oatmeal it. outside with the dog i need to go out no matter how busy it is and just like pet the heck out of that dog <laughs> because it relieves so much stress it, really, it does. really does and it's not me going like this dog is so cute i want to take it it's hi dog i'm gonna use you right now to take care of my heart which is totally. stressed out and you are cute and i do want to take you home but i'm not focusing on that part of you i'm focusing on the part that's connecting with my soul Totally. Like, so Eugene has an extreme amount of loneliness he's dealing with. Right. And the animals plug that hole, right? Even momentarily. Hmm. But yeah, I don't know. I was talking to my girlfriend about that. Like there was like a mo- like months we were living at this place. Oh, this is so insane that I'm even talking about this, but it had horrible black mold. I'm very allergic to mold and it was making me super sick and I had no idea why. There was like two things that got me through this horrible nightly anxiety sort of I don't know. I felt super sick for a long time was this neighbor cat that yeah. his dad was insane and liked spending more time at our apartment than his dad's apartment or his, his dad, his dad's his apartment. owner, his owner. <laughs> wow. What kind of pet is this? Yeah. It sounds like his dad was insane. Yeah. If he treated, yeah. yeah. So, and, and yeah. And then this certain music and this certain band that I was listening to at the time, Who but was like it? specifically Come on, shout it out. This dude, Chris Cohen, he makes amazing music. Cool. He's, he's one of my favorites, but shout out. Shout out, shout out. But the, shout out. But the cat specifically, just like the therapeutic component of like just sitting there in these insane anxiety fits, like petting this cat and like just like zoning out and just doing that repetitious thing and feeling sort of like the, the love and warmth of like an animal that's non-human. Yeah, yeah. Like is there's – this is obviously therapeutic. They do this to cancer patients. They do this to War people, vets. War vets. Yeah. yeah, people in prison, yada, yada, yada. Um, so it's not that there's nothing there. And I think oh no, it's real. It's real, and Eugene just, is feeling that. Just like friendship does that too. Uh, yeah, and just like at times being alone does that. Like there, yeah. there are elements of of any action you do that's going to help some yeah. animalistic part of your brain, but there's something specific about non-human animals. Yes, and engaging with them. Yeah, and, yeah petting them. And yeah, because chatting the, with them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and that yeah, that's interesting. That you know, that kind of the opening the the opening scene, the way he talks about this fish is I've always wanted a pet and every pet I've ever had has abandoned me. 
this one has lasted a pretty long time. So this is my new best friend. I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but that's yeah. basically what he said. Totally. Um, yeah. Oh, and there, oh, so I think to jump to another scene is the Invisible Hippo. Right. Yeah. So the Invisible Hippo, to me, there's something very interesting about that, which is creating like an invisible friend and those sorts of things. is like a common trope within oh, children. Absolutely. We all did it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we all did it. Carl. Oh, you for sure did. I, 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 I may have. I, I, don't I don't remember my, I don't remember having an imaginary yeah. friend, but I'm sure I did. Yeah. No one made a cartoon about mine, so I don't remember it. But so the, is that he, he has this invisible hippo. It's like obviously filling the void that the, the pets that leave him always do. Um, and, but there's a fascinating part where they're about to leave it to go into class and Arnold and Gerald look at Eugene and are like, are you going to come into class? And he's like, no, like I'm going to stay out here with the hippo. And he's to too me, young or something to yeah, like, yeah, to leave alone. And to me, that's like in a lot of things I've heard about like addiction or certain activities mm. that you engage in, like they're not a problem until they stop you from doing the things you yeah, need absolutely. to be doing. Absolutely. And to me, that was screaming that in that moment. Which jumps to later on, we'll talk about the Reply All episode oh, of totally. Tulpas, which is the exact thing that they're talking yeah. about there. But go on, continue. Yeah, so I just thought that was very interesting because it was very clearly, I think, the turning point for Arnold and for Gerald in, like, something's wrong with Eugene. Yeah. Because they're looking out, and then it becomes visually dramatic because they're in the classroom looking at Eugene in the rain, you know, <laughs> yeah. tending to his invisible hippo. But I think that that, more generally, that's just, like, an interesting concept. Like, the idea of... Any activity typically is okay. This could be diets, like exercise. Right, right. But if they stop you from like being a well-rounded person or doing the things you need to do, then they're potentially a problem. Right, an right, issue. right. Drugs and everything else are more obvious, yeah. but I think it can be a lot of things. Well, that's any uh, – uh, uh, I know that like psychologists and therapists would pr- – that, that that's what's going to cause them concern. That Like whether it's either a – it's going to cause them, cause, them, cause them concern if it's either A, stopping them from living life, or B, stopping other people from living their life. And in this situation, um, it's stopping him from living his life. And so totally. I think a therapist would say, okay, there is a problem there. And in fact, I talked to a therapist. Nice. Uh, who I wish was here uh, so we could just like talk with him. But he he's in New York right now. He's very cool. And we're not smart enough to figure out uh, Skype. So soon, maybe one day we could do that. But Maybe. Maybe. But it's pretty late for them over there right now. It is. It's pretty late. Um, so the first thing he said after I explained the episode to him, which I think he had seen before, but he said, this is word for word, uh, poor Eugene is going to need to do some serious time in therapy, which I thought the first time I watched this, because not only does he create an imaginary friend, which a lot of people do, and that's a way to cope with a thing, that imaginary friend runs away, which is funny in this show and that shit crazy yeah exactly it's crazy so um he has a couple thoughts one is something we've gone over before which i'm gonna i'll put off for now but um i'll, I'll read part of part of this quote he said the imaginary friend is definitely concerning sounds like a regression to a much earlier age potentially a psychotic symptom the hippo running away it could be two things and so the two things that he separates it as one is that it's some sort of expression of um, depression and possibly abandonment, which I definitely think is part of it because he, uh, well, okay, so that's, the, I'll, I'll, we'll jump back to that. The second one, which, like, I think you understood better, but if I understand correctly, the second part that he separates the, that it might be tied to is when the hippo runs away, that's Eugene's subconscious saying, you don't need this 
this imaginary friend anymore. Like you've, it's, it's done its use in helping you cope with loss, abandonment, etc. Um, but it, right. Does that feel correct? Yeah, totally. And I think what he also said in the text is, but there's like a potential positive, which is, oh yeah. Yeah. The, 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 the imaginary friend no longer is serving its utility. Therefore he gets rid of it because he no longer there it needs is. it. Yeah. So, or, but if it's not, if it's, not at all number two and it's just more more anxiety more depression more abandonment it's going deeper into that yeah because because it's like another layer deeper into like or it's like a lost cause like his loneliness is so is so entrenched and bad that even this imaginary friend he's constructed can no longer aid him or help him yes and so yeah then he goes further and spirals down deeper which is funny because i like the way that that sounds it's like an idea it's very interesting your friend is very uh very smart obviously but I, i think given how the episode plays, it's obviously not true because then he gets a Arnold hooks him up with that fish thing. And then he seems to be better. Right. Right. So I don't know if it's going that route, but I think just as like an, an exercise intellectual exercise, I think it's very interesting to think about it that way. Well, I think, I think it is though. I I would say it is, um, the, like the depression and the loneliness because well that is consumed him yeah and it's so bad that that's why he lets go of the hippo yes or that he no longer needs it i don't think it's that he no longer needs oh actually it. you're right because then why would he respond so pos- favorably to exactly the fish, fish. like and and it Damn. it really it it didn't help his loneliness but it, no. it like you i think you said earlier it plugged the hole of loneliness yeah temporarily yeah um and i think that's going to come up a lot is eugene's inability to connect with others in a substantial way yeah um and I, it, it's interesting because he's both the most positive character on the show he's happy-go-lucky he's looking at the bright side but he also has this like dark streak um which uh, there's a great episode later where he like i'm not going to say why but he paints his walls black and it's like so depressing but that's because he puts so much hope into like specific things that in this situation like his fish dies so it's like oh got abandoned again uh and then the fish gets taken away by the cat oh got abandoned again and then every pet he tries to like see so over and over and over again these pets are reminders that you don't belong with anyone else Totally. And like I said, I think kind of I said before, like the funny thing is the the fish dies because of Arnold's error, essentially. Yeah. But the fish is going to die eventually anyways. Also, when, the, when and then he responds in a very dramatic, emotional fashion. And then the other one is the cat takes the fish. But that's like what cats do. Yeah. So it's sort of like a ne- another normal occurrence. And yeah. it causes him to spiral. Do you know what I mean? So... Right. I think the inability to be able to cope with normal situations, I think within Eugene's character, is interesting. And, and is and actually, problem. actually, my friend, his name's Dustin. I'll just say Dustin now. Uh, brought that up. He said him saying I shouldn't have a pet is the troubling bit. I would guess that his process at the moment is figuring out if it's his fault that he has bad luck, loses friends, and mm-hmm. gets run away from. Uh, that quote seems a bit like he's seeing it as his fault or deficiency. And then he says that may lead to the, that is something that could lead to those symptoms of psychosis, basically. Totally. Yeah. Um, so I mentioned earlier, there's that reply episode, reply all episode. Um, if you guys haven't listened to it, it's, it's a really good podcast. Um, it's a show about the internet. Uh, it's on Gimlet media. 
Um, we are not our sponsored by home. them at all. Oh, yeah, oh. our future home, maybe. Who? Yeah. Oh, dear Lord, please. <laughs> uh, but um, they had an episode. They had an episode where they like dove deep into this Reddit thread about these tulpas. people who uh, conjure tulpas, which are just. I want to be sensitive, but they're imaginary friends, basically. Yeah, and they almost come across to the average person who doesn't believe in this sort of thing as, like, alternate personalities. Right. And it becomes... It almost seems like a split personality disorder sort of thing. Best case scenario is that they're guardian angels. Worst case scenario is that it's, like... Schizophrenia or something. Yeah. Um, And it's... Yeah, it's tied to a lot of strange... uh, strange occultish type stuff but regardless it's what the idea is you you decide that you want something so bad some sort of companion so bad that you make it up in your head and uh, people who call it tulpas would view it as a positive thing and in some cases it does help them cope but in in other cases a person looking out out from outward into that situation in some cases would call that I mean, best case scenario, it's a kid making an imaginary friend. Worst case scenario, it's it's a reference to some deeper issue that is has not been dealt with yet. What are the, what that situation reminds me a lot of is it reminds me of sort of drug addiction hmm. because I feel like so if you go through a traumatic event, which like in that podcast that girl does, I believe, right, right, and she has like an emotional breaking point, and then as a response, as a reaction to that, she co- creates these tulpas. Like the Toba first comes to her aid, essentially, yeah, to yeah. pull her out of it. So, and it's sort of the other thing we were talking about before. Like, I think there's moments where these Tulpas stop her from doing social things. It alienates her a little bit. I think she dives deeper into an online community of Tulpa loving folks as well. Um, I hope we're not alienating our Tulpa listeners uh, with this conversation. Yeah, but no, look, if this is. Is this if this your is your thing? belief system, it's your belief system, and I can't change that. Yeah, but I don't. I, I really don't think that's the case here. But um, the reason I compare it to, I draw the connection between that and drug addiction is that, like, a lot of people turn to drugs when they hit some low point in life or they go through some traumatic incidents because it helps them fill some sort of void mm. and it helps them cope. It's like a self-medicating coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. And it's with some drugs, like, you can engage, if you're a heroin addict, let's say, if you use the drug, you can engage in society in a sort of pseudo-normal way. Right. Right? But you have this other thing going along parallel with that, which is your drug addiction. Right? Oh, interesting. So, and, and it may and it's, kill it's, you. It's using it may not kill you. It's helping you cope with, with your that problem. thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, and if you think about the tulpas and drug addiction is, they're both socially not the right, quote unquote, the right thing to do. Right. They're potentially dangerous. They're um, alienating. There's all these different unhealthy components to them, but it's like drug addiction is understandable. You know what I mean? It happens. It happens. Yeah. yeah, it happens to a lot of folks. Um, but I don't know. I just think viewing it that way is, for me, the most helpful way of viewing it. Hmm. Because I think if you're sympathetic to drug users or addicts, um, then I think actually you should also likewise be sympathetic to people that would need to conjure up some sort of agent yeah. like that. Yes. And I think Arnold and Gerald do feel that, like, uh, at worst pity, but at yeah. best drive to, like, help him. Yeah. Um, and to be fair, maybe this is another positive spin. Um, Dustin also mentions that, uh, whereas, so in, in best case scenario in traumatic situations, uh, grownups 
talk through it, maybe meditate over it, but then eventually, eventually they're going to talk, they're going to talk through it either in a healthy way or unhealthy way. But in general, that's the way adults, adults have reached some form of communication in that way. Kids don't have the language to do that yet. And so they will engage in play acting um, to help them understand the thing they can't communicate uh, explicitly or specifically. And so I don't think it's all bad that he's like experiencing life with, especially cause he's nine. If he was 30 and he was making a imaginary pet, then, you know, as a, as a friend, I might say, you really should like talk with somebody just because this, I don't see this, but because it's a kid, it's a little bit, this kid is nine, 10 at the oldest. Who, That's still pretty old to be doing a thing like that. It is, but it's it's. But there's an infantile quality to Eugene. Right, exactly, he's definitely immature still. Yeah. He's still growing up, I, and I'm not saying clearly like this is a uh, some sort of mental breakdown. But um, knowing that kid, I just think Dustin pointing out is pointing out that um, the play acting in kids is part of their way of coping. So if totally. nothing else, we know that this is the way he's coping yeah. with it. But I, but I also wonder if, and I think like how I was drawing the comparison to drug addiction, I wonder if in this episode they're drawing addiction, or addiction, they're drawing a, a connection between, um, and I think actually they obviously are, uh, between sort of creating an imaginary friend and as a, as a youthful expression of loneliness and mm. alienation with owning pets as an adult as like, a similar experience and a similar need but it's like socially acceptable and huh. it's how adults deal with problems that's that's and really loneliness yeah. because if you think about it like i was i mean i don't want to throw other people's other personal shit in here but like i have said to other people and had or heard other people say like oh you're in like a breakup you're having a tough time like you know or you lost your spouse or whatever in a sad tragic situation like you should get a dog or like you should get a cat you know what I mean? And it's like a way to sort of fill some void mm-hmm. and show some affection and have a friend or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Mm. But it like plays a similar role. That's but really it's socially acceptable. And also it it's giving an actual thing for you to put. I think the reason it's socially acceptable is that you're giving. They're giving a thing at home. Yeah. You're giving a thing at home and you, you're, you have a reason to f- get up in the morning and like, cause you have to feed this cat and you have to like give it some kind of love and attention. Yeah. Maybe not a cat. Dog's a better example of that. Got to give it yeah. food, take it for a walk. So I think the difference is that you know imaginary tulpas or uh, imaginary pets are <laughs> imaginary tulpas. I guess they're already uh, yeah. it's a double negative. Um, yeah. The other thing too that also feels a little more not healthy, but like makes sense in this context is. So it's clear Eugene's lonely. It's clear that he's felt some sort of abandonment by these animals. Um, we've talked about this before, transitional objects, how um, sometimes... So the, the episode where Arnold loses his hat and kind of loses his identity um, and like spends all of his time looking for this hat and then gives up and just kind of is like, I'm a different person now. Um, and that's unhealthy because it's tied to the death slash mysterious disappearance of his parents. There's, there's, it's not tied to just simply a gift he received from his parents. It's the last thing he has from his parents who no longer are around. So it has some kind of like weighty significance. And so when Eugene loses yet again, another thing in some ways, this is a transitional object to help him cope with 
the loss of those things. Um, let me see if I can figure out. He wrote, he sent me a very specific way of saying that, and it was really helpful for me. Um, it's so in some ways it's reassuring, but I think there's a little bit that that's not the whole story behind this. It like yet it at its healthiest version, he's just figuring out a way to move from having this fish to no longer having this fish and having this imaginary. Oh, that's like the optimistic view. Yeah, yeah. The optimistic view is that it's a transitional object to help reassure him into normal living. Totally. And I think a reason... So, to to piggyback on what you're saying, there is... When they're leaving the pet store, uh, Arnold and Gerald... Or Arnold specifically says to Eugene, like, I think this this loneliness you're going through is something you need to talk to your mother about. Uh, He says that when... um, No, no. He's saying that about the invisible hippo. He says... Oh. You should talk to your mother. Yeah, yeah. So, so and, and, and yes, you're right. You're right. And because his response to, to Arnold is, she's not really a hippo kind of person. Yeah. And that's really interesting. I, I think that's great oh, because he, um, I think he's, he's recognizing there that like there is some gap between him and his parents and some sort of like lack of understanding there. Right. Which may be a thing that like all youth go through at some point. Yeah. But in his situation, it may be dramatic. I don't know. Like it may be that he's neglected at home. It may be that like some parents don't see eye to eye with their kids in like any way, like the kid's identity or whatever it is. Um, So I think that it's like a nod really quickly to the fact that this is not like a transitional thing and it, or maybe a transitional thing, but there is some deep rooted sort of definitely, issue there definitely. that yeah. he doesn't feel comfortable to go to his parents about. Hmm. Um, so I, it's, I think it almost takes like a self-medicating turn because he doesn't yeah. see another out or another way to like help him. This imaginary hippo running away is, is too much. It's, it's pretty good. It's really good. It's good. It's just it's a nice very turn funny. in the story. Uh, and that his name's Elbert too. Elbert, not the elephant. Elbert the hippo. The hippo. Um, I did. Let me see if I wrote. I wrote some stuff down. Uh, it does feel like when they're at the, well, at the, at the funeral, the wake. Gerald's speech is amazing because he's not only eulogizing this fish, he's also kind of talking about Eugene because he's yeah. first talking about how this fish was like. No one would buy him. He was sitting alone in the in the store. And then he says, but this other lonely kid who's also kind of a geek, who doesn't have a friend either, came to the store and they found each other. And so there's something deeper about the relationship that Gerald just kind of knows intrinsically. He doesn't, he's making that up as he goes. But he knows Eugene so well because they've gone to school together for four years or whatever. They, like, see, okay, he sees that this kid is lonely and this fish has, like, crushed him. This dead fish has crushed him. And, and so in some ways there, it's like when this fish died, a part of Eugene died. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's true. Cause it shows the downward, it's the beginning of the downward spiral. Yeah. And he tries to, I, it's like, he tries to keep it together. Eugene does, even though like there's that comic, oh, I would, I'll, if I can remember, I'll put up a, a link to it. It's just like a two panel comic and it's this dog in hell. Um, and or no no it's a dog in a burning house and there's flames all around him and one image is just him smiling in the flames and the second image is him saying this is fine you guys have all seen it before it's like a have you seen it no 
It's like a meme. I'll here. Let me look it up while we talk. But um, well, I think you just described. Okay. it. Okay, it's pretty good. You <laughs> uh, can't see it on the old but, podcast. But that's kind of that's kind of what Eugene's going through before he finally snaps, which is yeah, this is fine. This is fine. I yeah. love this fish. Let's have a funeral for it. Uh, yeah, going to this pet store is fine. Yeah, all these pets hate me. This is fine. Don't worry, Arnold. I'll get used to it. And then the next day, he's petting an invisible hippo, and that's how our lives are. One day you think it's fine, the next day you're making things up. Well, and I think uh, the, when he goes into the pet store and he gets a negative reaction, there's no chemistry with all the animals. Um, the, I think that that, like again, like I previously said, that could that's just sometimes how it goes. Like if you want a dog, the it first may time take you get, months. Yes, the or first, a car. Yes, anything like a date or to find a wife or a husband or whatever. The 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 first the first date you go on is not the person you're gonna marry. Like the first pet store you go into is not going to have your dream dog that you want. Right. The auto dealership is going to have the car you want. So it's, it's like being able to sort of have some resiliency and be able to bounce back and go like, this didn't work out, but maybe the next time it will. You know what I mean? Well, and, and Gerald does say the kid always bounces back, but eventually you don't bounce back. And that's, I think where even that's why I think there's some sort of deep familial thing going on here where he's been burned and hurt as a kid or with his family a lot because it's almost like he's used them all up. Every, like he's already yeah. jaded and just spent as a kid, mm, you know what I mean? And mm, in his, even in mm, his youth mm. and he doesn't think that there's like a silver lining, you know, like he's used all those up. Yeah. I mean, yes. Cause optimism runs dry at some point. Well, yeah, you, you see it crack. You see the veneer crack when he's like, Oh, the fish learned a trick. It's rolling over. Like, there's no... Um... It's like a comedic trope, but it's like he's in denial. Yeah. I, I, it, it's funny, but it's actually more sad. And Helga calls it out. She's like, that fish is dead. What'd she say? Jack Cousteau? The, yeah, yeah. The, Like, that's the funnier part, because she's calling out the hypocrisy and the sham of that moment of like, yeah. oh, <laughs> the fish is fine. Ooh. Like, cut, cut the bullshit. This fish yeah. is dead. Um, and that's when he makes the whale as the first step of many, uh, yeah, <laughs> downward spirals. Um, I f- definitely feel like the teenager in that fish store. I felt like, or not fish store, the animal oh, store. Yeah. I felt like her many times, which oh, is yeah. just like lying through your teeth. I about... love to serve. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't give me that look. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She, she's great. Yeah. Well, do you have any cries? No. Oh, cries. Oh, yeah. Uh, or did you have something else? Well, I was going to ask if you had anything else about the episode. No. I, agree. I think yeah. that's it. Yeah. That's a Thank, good one. Thanks to Dustin. He's a, he's get, he's finishing up his... He actually just graduated. He's finishing up his hours in New York City oh, at Pace City University. Um, thanks for all your help. Maybe we'll have you on sometime when you get back to the, to the west side. If you're lucky. If you're lucky. If you're like Eugene, then you won't be. Eugene's unlucky. Oh, Eugene. I thought you said um, Gene. Eugene. Uh, yeah. Do you have any cries? I mean, this one has some cries. This one definitely has some cries. Um, 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 I'll do the obvious one. I think when the, the hippo runs away. And yeah. I think I'm going to pair that with Dustin. Yeah, Dustin. Yeah. His uh, analysis, which is basically that <laughs> it's like you've lost all hope. You know what yeah. I mean? You, can't, you, can't, you can no longer even lie to yourself. <laughs> like you're in so much despair. This moment, kid needs therapy. Sad. Yeah, 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 he does. Um, how many cries? So hippo Five. running away full, and he, yeah, full cries. Full cry. uh, that's a pretty. It's a. It's like a funny scene that bleeds into like a really sad. Oh scene. yeah, totally. Um, 
I think uh, mine, I mean, that's a good one, and I probably would agree with that first, but I guess another one is possibly Grandpa's kind of nihilistic. I mean, it's like it's like actually in some ways a very nihilistic claim, like yeah. nihilism. Heard of it? No, never. It, maybe if I say it more, I'll be cooler. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I heard of Fight Club. Have you guys heard of Fight Club? Or, uh, uh, no, I've never seen that either. Okay, well, anyway, it's 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 a it's a depressing moment where he says we're all alone, but all of true, us. Isn't it? Yeah. Oh, it's so true, and yeah. it's uh, sad, and that's why we all need therapy. We all need therapy, and we all need to. You know, if people have their pets that are invisible, just let them have it. Yeah, is that the advice that he has? Real pets and imaginary pets. Anyway, that's that's my cry of the week, and I guess I would give it, yeah, probably a full cry. But I agree also that Eugene's pet running away is also a full cry. It's tragic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, we have music. Um, Adam, would you like to explain this weirdo? Yeah. It's this It's this guy named Conan, Conan Moccasin. He's, uh, the album is called Caramel. Um, he's from New Zealand. He's a professional weirdo. His music is fantastic. It sounds like yeah, it's, it's super good. It, is it super sounds good. like it's recorded in an aquarium. But it's like not this track, but it's like very sensual, like Prince is sensual. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> but it's like he's like a psychedelic New Zealand version of Prince. Uh, but this track is really good, and we chose it because it talks about longing and sadness, and it sounds like it was recorded <laughs> in an aquarium. But it's still got that Arnold Funk that you want. Yeah, it has some jazz. It's it, it's jazzy. A it's bit, jazz influence for sure. Yeah, yeah, um, it's, uh, yeah. His music's great. So enjoy that, and guys, look, stop what you're doing, rate and review, please. It. We, we want to one day grow and, and if, even if we don't make money, at least we want people to hear us, please. And but at some point we're going to come knocking for money. Come door and knock door. Glad handing. Yeah. That's right. Uh, rate, review, email. Um, it's all talked about at the top, I'm sure. Um, and check in with us uh, next week. Thanks. Thank you.